Hey guys, it's awesome to be together with you this morning. Wherever you find yourself, if you're with friends or your family, or maybe you're alone, um, you're not. You're, you're with us. You're collectively worshiping as a church, and so it's good to be here. Um, I'm standing here at Ramanara because I want to tell you a little bit about your faithful generosity and what your giving is doing. Last week, there was a little challenge put before you about being obedient and faithful to continue giving even in difficult times. And so you guys stepped up to the plate, and a lot of you switched your giving over to online at Grace Point Church, which has been extremely helpful. But here at Ramanara, the store is empty. There's no customers here, but they're still doing takeouts and deliveries. And Ramanara agreed to partner with Grace Point Church to bless medical workers and their families during this time where they could swing in and pick up a meal. Because of your giving and your generosity, working with Ramanara, we've been able to bless almost 750 medical workers right here in our area and their families. So praise God for that. Thank you for all that you guys are continuing to do. One more thing. We are going to be blessing local truck drivers. And so, yeah, we're blessing medical workers. Well, let's bless the truck drivers that are keeping freight on the shelves and keeping the shelves stocked. They're putting in a lot of overtime. We just want to encourage them and say, the church sees you. We care about you. So families at home, friends, individuals, grab a one-gallon Ziploc bag, take some prepackaged items like a bottle of water, some crackers, some basic snacks, granola bars, whatever you've got. Or you can go shop if you feel comfortable getting out at this time. Put a thank you note in there. Craft a little thank you and say, man, we care about you. Thank you for all you do. Just keep it simple. But take these, drop them off at the church at the main entrance. You'll see a table set up between now and Wednesday. Get these to us. We're taking them down to truck drivers on Thursday. We're hoping to have over a 1,000 to be able to distribute. Uh, We're going to continue worshiping. Um, We just want to say thank you for all that you guys are doing. Thank you for your giving. We are still in the book of Mark, and so this morning we have some students and some young people are going to get us right into the Word, starting in Mark chapter 6, so have your Bibles ready. Here we go. Mark 6, 30-33 The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they were away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep with they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to them and said, "This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late." sending them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the people. He divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to another side of Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken 
leaves, leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when、um, evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painful, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke out to them and said, "Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid." And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Mark seven one through nine. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And the, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked ask him, "Why do you, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands?" And he said to them, "Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? But these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men." Mark eight one to twenty one. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come far away. And his disciples answered him, "How can one feed these people with bread here on, in this desolate place?" And he asked them, "How many loaves do you have?" They said, "Seven." And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets fulls. And there were about four thousand people. And he set them away. And immediately he got into the boat with the disciples, and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him the sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply, and in his spirit, and said, "Why does the generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation." And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, "Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod." And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, "Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand?" Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. 
and he said to them, do you not yet understand? You know, this pandemic has closed and canceled a lot of things. But one thing that this pandemic cannot stop, and that is reading the Word of God, whether it's personally or it's collectively. I love that our students have participated with us today in reading the passage through Mark that we're going to explore. When they got finished reading, I got this text from one of the moms that said this. Her son said, I'm glad I read the Bible. I feel closer to God now, and I read a lot. And I think that his elementary student heart really summed up well what it says in Hebrews, that the Word of God is active and it's alive and it's able to pierce our soul and it can discern the thoughts and even the intentions of our heart. I don't know if you caught it when the students were reading through all the stories in the passage that we're going to look at, but there was this cadence of stories. It was like um, Jesus was with the crowd. Um, then Jesus put his disciples in a boat. They had a problem. Then there was a conversation with the Pharisees. Then Jesus is with a second crowd. And then there's a second conversation with the Pharisees. And then the disciples are in another boat with another problem. And the thing is, is that throughout this entire narrative, Mark is trying to get us to see this thread of heart, even specifically what he calls hard heartedness. And so what I want us to do is I want us to go through these sections where Mark kind of writes in this fast paced kind of action. Let's pull back and let's pull back the layers and see if we can unpack some of those scriptures that refer to the heart. So the first one that the students read and told us about was Jesus was with a crowd of 5,000 people. And it says that he had compassion on them and he was teaching them. As the sun was going down, his disciples came to them and said, came to Jesus and said, we need to send these people away so that they can get food to eat. And Jesus told his disciples, you feed them. Well, his disciples are not really sure how to answer this. Like, with what? Like, you want us to take 200 denarii. So basically the equivalent of eight months salary and you want us to go and purchase enough bread to come back and feed all of these people. And Jesus said simply to them, what do you have? And so they went into the crowd and they came back with five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus prayed and it multiplied and everyone ate and were satisfied. And when they were done, there were 12 baskets of food left. So Jesus then puts his disciples immediately into a boat. They go out into the water and Jesus goes up onto a mountain to pray. And while they are out in the water, a wind comes up and then the The boat is now being threatened to be overtaken by the waves. And Jesus looks out and he sees his disciples struggling in this storm. And in compassion, he walks out on the water to them. When they see him, they're afraid. They think, this is a ghost. And Jesus simply says, take heart. It is I. Or actually, accurately translated, it would be, take heart. I am. I am everything you need. And he gets into the boat with them. And Mark is very careful to make sure that we see this. And he correlates these two stories together. It says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 52. It says, they didn't understand about the loaves because their hearts were hard. Let's go on to the next story. So the next one, Jesus is having a conversation um, with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are irate because the disciples are refusing to clean their hands appropriately before they ate. Now, this is not like washing with soap and water or antibacterial wipe kind of thing. This was a man-made, man-imposed ritual that if you went through it properly, you would now be clean. But if you didn't, then they had the right to judge you as unclean. But Jesus now takes it and he turns it on them and he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, you're being hypocrites. You're saying so much about God from your mouth, 
and yet your heart is far away from God. Later on, when Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples about this, and they're asking him about the hard heart, he says, listen, let me help you understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but rather what comes out of the heart that defiles a man or makes him unclean. So next we see Jesus in a crowd of about 4,000, probably a Gentile crowd this time. And it says again that he has compassion on them and he's teaching them this time for three days. And at the end of the three days, Jesus goes to his disciples and says, before we send the people away, I want to feed them so they don't faint on their way back home. And the disciples are like, with what? So it's kind of like same song, second verse. And Jesus simply says to them, what do you have? The disciples go into the crowd and they come back with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And Jesus takes it, he blesses it, it multiplies, and the entire crowd eats and they're satisfied. And when they're done, they take up seven baskets full of leftovers. So Jesus gets into the boat and he's intending to warn and give caution to the disciples concerning the Pharisees. But instead, you know what the disciples are doing? They are having a conversation, possibly even an argument about the fact that they have forgotten to bring enough bread. And Jesus intends to go for their heart, almost like with surgical-like precision. And he begins to ask them questions, nine total questions. And he says this to them, why are you discussing the fact that you forgot to bring bread? No answer. And he says, do you not yet understand? Are your hearts hardened? And then it's like crickets, no answer. He says, do you, do you have eyes that you don't see, and that, but you have ears and, and you don't hear? In other words, like, have you not seen everything that I've been doing? And have you not heard everything that I have been teaching? And then he asked them this question, do you not remember? Okay, so then he kind of stops here. Instead of aiming at the heart, he takes it to the cognitive level. And he says, all right, guys, like almost like pop quiz fashion. Like, think back. How many baskets full of fish and bread did we have left over after we fed the 5,000? And the disciples said, 12. He said, perfect, great, bingo, right? Okay, and when we fed the crowd of 4,000, how many baskets of leftovers did we have? And And the disciples said, seven. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, do you not yet understand? You see, I think that sometimes we need to be asked tough questions. Tough questions are intended to lead us to personal examination and then ultimately heart transformation. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna make an assumption that we can all agree that we are all, just by our very nature, we are prone toward hard-heartedness. But why? You know, we could probably fill up a page of reasons why we're prone to hard-heartedness. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out three from the passage that the students just read from. The first one I'm going to pull out this is that we are prone to forget God. We're prone to forget God and then filter our circumstances instead through our fear. Like we can look back and see that they forgot about his compassion. They forgot about his provision. They forgot about his protection. And listen, the guys are sitting in the boat with breadcrumbs on their shirt, fish smell on their hands, talking about that they don't have enough bread when the bread maker or the bread of life is actually sitting in the boat with them. Like, I I like to think that I'm not like the Pharisees and as spiritually wrong as they are. And I like to think I'm not like the disciples and as spiritually as clueless as they are. But the reality is if I pause and I examine my own heart, I see that my heart, and I'll bet yours too, actually mirrors 
the Pharisees and the disciples. See, the Pharisees were so concerned about their circumstances, all they could think about was everything they needed to do. And the disciples were so concerned about their circumstances, they had forgotten everything that Jesus had just done. We are prone to forget God. The second thing is that I think that we do is we are prone to lean into our own understanding. When the heat gets turned up on our heart, what becomes exposed is our level of trust. And we see either places that we trust God or the layers of our heart get pulled back and we see areas that we lack trust in God. We see that maybe we can think of those times when we've come to God with something small and he multiplied it and made it happen. But the next time we're in a circumstance, we come with something small and we question whether or not he can multiply it and make it happen. In Proverbs, it says this, trust the Lord with your whole heart, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This idea of wholeheartedness only happens or is a product of God refining the hard-heartedness within us. Here's the last one that I want to bring up to you that I see is that we are prone to blame our circumstances on the outside for the inner turmoil that we feel on the inside. Listen, I give you an example just personally, like I'm prone to anxiety and I can be anxious during the pandemic or I can be anxious in taking a test or anxious about something in my marriage. Anxiety stays the same while the circumstances around me change. So let me ask you this question. Let me make it personal for you. Is it well with your soul? Now, I know that that's a personal question because only you can truly answer whether or not it's well with your soul. But let's take this pandemic crisis for a moment and think about all of the medical uncertainty and the financial insecurity. And maybe you're single and you're alone or you're married and everybody's at home and all the personalities and all the schedules and all the stresses are beginning to collide. And now you're beginning to feel overstressed and overwhelmed and over anxious. So you completely overreact to somebody you love and then you feel guilty. So you overeat something that's highly overrated, right? And then maybe let's, let's just consider, let's say that like you're in the fifth grade and you're bored and you're irritated with your brother and sister, or maybe, maybe you're in the ninth grade and you're needing help with your algebra homework, but your parents are too old to remember how to help you. Or you're a senior in high school and all the graduation celebration just feels like an absolute loss. Everything around us on the outside becomes magnified and amplified and the heat begins to be turned up on the outside, but on the inside. Is it well with your soul? Those words are the title of a song that was written by a guy named Horatio who experienced three traumatic events. One, he was a wealthy man who had invested in real estate in Chicago. And yet when the great Chicago fire happened, he pretty much lost all of his investment. Not long after that, his four-year-old son died from scarlet fever. Tragically, if that wasn't enough, about two years after that, He put his four daughters and his wife on a ship to sail to England. And on their way, another ship collided with them and his four daughters were lost at sea. He received a telegram back home from his wife that simply said, saved alone. And so he got on a ship to travel to meet up with his wife in England. And on his way to England, when his ship passed where the two ships had collided, he said that God peace completely overwhelmed him and God gave him these words to the song that maybe you're familiar with it is well with my soul I'm not going to sing it but I do want you to hear the lyrics when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrow like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul
Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Wow. What a what an incredible story uh, to say it is well with my soul after such tragedy. You know, there is something about tragedy, trauma. There's something about things that happen to us, things that we even create that we do and bring on that can create such disequilibrium in our souls and create such turmoil. And, uh, you know, when, when that happens, it, uh, it puts us in a different space. It puts us in a place where we become uncomfortable. It really tests us. It really shows us what we're made of and what is makes up who we are. And uh, as we continue our thoughts along this whole idea of our soul and of our heart, and really I want just to see soul and heart as one. Because when, when Mark and Jesus talk about the heart, he talks about it from literally the beginning, chapter 3 of Mark to the very end of Mark, Mark 16. He's always talking about the heart. The heart is where God does his greatest work. And that heart is that mystical middle of, of who we are on the inside, but yet it informs everything that is about us on the outside. And I have with me today uh, some soul care doctors, if you will. Uh, we've, we, we've been praying for and we have been blessing and we've been rallying around our medical community and we are going to continue to do that. But we also have some tremendous soul care doctors in our church and we have a few of them on stage today. And so we're glad to have them. And I want to introduce them to you. Uh, some of my friends, these are the ones that I go to that I would confide in that I would want to do some soul care doctoring with. And, and one of those is right immediately to my left here, and that's Brad Franklin. Brad is one of my one another brothers. Let's fist bump in the air. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so he's one of my brothers that I, I would go to. He's the founder of, of Fresh Roots Family Counseling Correct. and still continuing to counsel as you lead that organization. And then to his left would be Brian Moore, one of our deacons at the same time, one of the people who is heading up the VA, the Veterans uh, uh, Hospital, and all of the mental health care right there at the VA in Fayetteville. And so we're glad to have you. Thank you. And then Jacqueline, who's been a part of our church for I don't know how long, but it's 10 years. 10 years, okay? And she has just started her own practice in counseling, Jacqueline Williams Counseling. And so that's an exciting journey for you in this day and age. And then the beloved. Susan Goss uh, at the end. We saved the best for last, Susan. Oh. And so uh, Susan is the founder, uh, co-founder of Joshua Center, but also the founder of Tangible Truths Ministry. So you've got a lot going on. All of you do. And we're all in this chaotic time when we're all worried about our external bodies and how healthy we are. But there's this soul care conversation I think we need to have as well. And I want to I wanna tee it up and kind of pick back up with where we just left off. And I want to start with you, Brad. When, we, when, when, when Mark and Peter and, and John and, and Jesus are all talking about the hardened heart in the gospel of Mark, when you think of the hardened heart, 
what do you think of? You know, Mike, the first place my head goes is first time that term is used in scriptures in the Old Testament when uh, talking about God hardening Pharaoh's heart back in the days of Moses. And, you know, what that term actually means, it's not that literally God was hardening his heart. What that means is what was in Pharaoh's heart was being pushed to the surface by the acts that God was doing. All the calamities that were coming over Egypt, what he was having Moses bring to him, that was literally pushing to the forefront what was already in Pharaoh's heart. Wow. So the, the, the hardness was there and Absolutely. bringing it out in, in the midst of all of that. That's so, so very true. What else do y'all think about when you think about the hardened heart? Well, you know, for, um, you know, I love what Brad said, that it was already in there. But for me personally, if I'm going to take it on a really personal note, when my heart starts beginning to harden, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to pull, pull that back. Where's that coming from? And for me, a lot of times it's really, have I, have, am I experiencing some unforgiveness in my soul? You were talking about soul. Is there unforgiveness that I need to do? Unforgiveness work? Is there pride in my life? And that begins to harden my heart. So there'll be some anger because I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be a bitter person. I don't want that in my life. So that'll begin to harden my heart if it's there. Right. So, I, and I want to I want to challenge those of you who are watching on Facebook Live today. If you have a question about heart, soul care, anything like that, feel free to write it in the comments section. And hopefully, we're going to have time at the end here uh, to kind of maybe answer some of those questions. If not, you it's maybe it's maybe too personal, and you don't want to necessarily put it on the feed, and you want to message us directly. We'll have one of our uh, soul care pastors reach out to you uh, within the next twenty four hours to just kind of walk with you, pray with you, and work work with you. And I want to ask you a question as I want to kind of piggyback up on that and, and, and ask another question because I think we're all in this struggle boat right now, uh, trying to figure it out. And so when your heart is struggling, what do you do? When your heart is struggling, put in the comments section, message us, let us know when your heart's struggling. Maybe you're a therapy eater, uh, maybe you're a retail <laughs> therapy shopper, whatever it may be. How do you handle it when your heart is struggling? And I'm going to kick it over to, to, to Brian because Brian, you work with people uh, who work with people who have dealt with lots of struggles in their life. So what would you say to that question? Absolutely. And I think uh, that's such a good question right now because in this abnormal time, it is normal to have anxiety. Uh, and because of that, one of the things that can help with a hardened heart or, or with that is, is to forgive yourself and to allow yourself uh, the knowledge of we're in a tough time. So anxiety is going to be there. But that we also have choice. And so the things that we feed um, within our eyes and our ears uh, will will either harden or soften. And so uh, what I've personally done is I've chosen to not look at news all day. Uh, so I'll check it when I wake up. I check it before I go to bed. But in between that time, I focus on the things that I have uh, control over and influence over. And those things that I don't, I just leave to the side. Wow. And that, that is not helped. what everyone else is doing, myself included, <laughs> because I'm like watching so much news, everything that's out there. I'm trying to anticipate what the next thing is. And you're saying, actually, you can't control what's happening. Exactly. There. Back off of that. Back off of that and look at the things that you can control and can influence and focus on that. Wow. 
be present in the moment of what you have control over. Absolutely. Wow. Very good. Very good. Anybody else? How would you suggest handling the struggles that are internal, that are going on inside of you? Anybody else want to add to that? I think kind of like you were saying, like forgiving yourself because, you know, right now, and you'll even see posts and things about, you know, giving people grace because we're all handling something that we've never handled before to the best of our abilities. But are we also giving ourselves grace to know that, you know, like there are times that I am on social media and I can kind of feel, okay, I'm feeling a little anxious. What does that mean? I need to put that away. I need to go take a walk. I need to go do something. and Or maybe I need to take a nap in the yeah. middle of the day. Yeah. And that's okay. And to give myself grace to know all of the stuff that needs to happen is going to be there when I wake up. Right. Jeff Wicker writes in and he, he had some great insight. And let's reach out to your brothers in Christ. Yes. Nobody, even though we are can't touch each other, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we can't stay in touch with each you know, other. Jeff brings up such a good point because when we reach out to our friends and we reach out to our neighbors, which we need to be doing, um, there are some of those friends that will feed that anxiety. Mm. And there are some of those friends. <laughs> so choose who you <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> be wise and there are about some that. of those folks that yeah. will really help you in, um, in focusing on, on and guiding you in the right direction on what's important. So, um, in this time of social distancing, we can still check on our neighbor. We can still reach out to others. Mm-hmm. We can do all those things that are going to feed us, yeah. soften our heart, um, bring us closer to God, and, and, and ease us during this stressful time. So let me ask you this. Uh, journaling. Leodra writes in and says that journaling has been a helpful thing. Do you think writing it on a piece of paper really helps? Yes. I do. Why, why I, do you I say that? Really helps. Both, both your negative, if you were going to say that, both negative thoughts, if you're going to, uh, if you have really, you know, our brain can do weird things during a time like this. It can feed negative thoughts. And if you want to write those negative thoughts down and release those to God, you know, if you're releasing those and even asking him, uh, somebody asked me, can I release those to God? Yeah. Yes, he already knows them anyway. Release those to God. If you don't have somebody sitting in front of those, releasing those, even asking them, is it true? Are these true? Mm-hmm. Ask him the, ask him that and release those negative thoughts. Equally so, thankfulness, release, uh, writing down all those things, uh, amidst you that, just like Brian was saying, that are very, that you can be very thankful for. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna, uh, tag what Brian said, people are contagious too. Yeah. Be very careful who you're talking to. There can be a Literally. lot of Debbie Dowdles, <laughs> just like, uh, you know, the coronavirus is contagious. So can people. If people are being very negative in your life, like we're all going to die, this mm-hmm. is going to kill us all and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, be very careful are about, I'm not just saying Pollyanna, don't just mm-hmm. talk about people that are just, right. but I'm saying be very careful. You can be a positive influence to others as well, but we have to be uh, careful there. But write down all the, the good. I mean, I've 
You know, and it's very, very true that when you reach out to others, you are not self-focused, mm-hmm. and it definitely lowers our anxiety. Mm-hmm. We know that. Research even mm-hmm. uh, tells us that. that in that writing down the, the things in the journal of the negative and the positive or the things you're thankful for and the things that are hard and you're uh, trying to wrestle with, the, write the small things down. The mm-hmm. scripture talks about don't dismi- despise the small things of God. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's the little thing is like we made it through the day you know uh we we're had breathing. a hot meal we're breathing we're breathing yes we're breathing. all of our family does not have the corona or maybe if you do you know the family member is surviving um so i, w- I want to pick up on, on, on a question that uh, that andrea wrote in and, and, and asked and i'm going to send it to you uh susan is she because she started talking about the hardened heart and so how do you work with people with a hardened heart and how do you Pray for them. You've been in the Word. You've been in Mark with us as a church. So what have you learned from your own journeys in the Word, in the Gospel of Mark, and about the hardened heart? Well, what really spoke to me, you know, Lori called and said, we're, we're doing Mark 6 through 8. And as I began to read, especially in Mark 6, what really jumped out to me was when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was walking toward them in the midst of the storm. You know, the, the disciples were in the boat and there was the storm. The wind was rocking the boat and they could hardly row in the boat. And here comes Jesus. But they didn't recognize him as Jesus. They saw him as a ghost. And, and Jesus was like, you, you don't know who I am. And so that just really struck me as sometimes we don't recognize the presence of Jesus in our lives when they had just seen him. This was, this was right after they were with Jesus when he fed the 5,000, I might add. So they had just gotten in the boat after that. And he said, you go ahead in the boat. I'm going to send the multitudes away. And then he walks toward them and they don't see him. And so do we see him and recognize him after we doubt him? Because they had just doubted him. And he's like, I can't work with you if you don't know me, if you don't recognize me and see him. And so for me personally, uh, as far as it relates to the hardened heart and What's the condition of your heart? Spiritually, the condition of your heart reveals to us the present. Is he present in your life in the storm? You know, are we going to allow him to be present in the middle of the storm and calm us? Because they were immediately calmed when they got, when he got in the boat with them. Immediately calm when they got in the boat. So is he, are we going to allow, you talking about, lowering anxiety with us in the middle of the coronavirus when we let him Uh be present in our life because he was present with us four days ago, you know, you know, when things were, were, were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, When he's feeding us, everything is, uh, we're warm, happy, and fed. We, we, we acknowledge Jesus, but whenever times get tough, we don't see him. Right. Yet he might still be there. Why would that be? What would cause Brad? what, What would cause somebody um, to miss Jesus in the storm when he's right there. Well, isn't that indicative of what we're going through right now? As Susan said, two weeks ago, we weren't feeling this way, right? And, and things have changed overnight. And they're so, and in the midst of the storm, we literally get turned upside down emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, sometimes physically. And you do, you, you forget 
the thing that grounds you wow. in the midst of that. And, the, and that anxiety that just speaks to us. And we tend to detach from other people. We tend to mm-hmm. detach from God. Wow. And going back to what uh, Susan was saying, while people can be contagious and storms can be contagious, we can also be contagious in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. And the opportunity... I know one thing that I've tried to do this past week is just reach out and talk to people I've not talked to in years, maybe, mm. saying, hey, I love you. <laughs> you meant something. I, I appreciate you, and I just was thinking about you today. That's contagious when you reconnect that way mm. in a positive sense. So you go into it with the positive mm-hmm. instead of just being influenced into the negative. What were you going to say? Yeah, on a practical level of, of, you know, when we don't see Jesus, um, Many times it's because uh, we see what we are looking for. So um, when we have this anxiety, when we have this cloud in front of us, um, Jesus is still there. But sometimes the anxiety, the depression is so much we can't see anything but what is right in front of us. And so being able to pull that back a little bit. And when we look for Jesus, we will find Jesus. When we look for joy we will find joy. Mm-hmm. So doing things, getting out of the house, um, taking a hike. You know, my family and I, we went on a hike uh, yesterday and just it, um, it was wonderful. And so by looking at his creation, we were able to celebrate the creator. Right. Mm-hmm. And in a way that we haven't done that as a family in a while. So um, during that time, our anxiety about what's going on in the world was so low. Mm-hmm. We were enjoying watching the dog run in front of us. We were enjoying, uh, you know, trying to figure out if that's poison ivy or if this. And so just looking and intentionally um, uh, looking for God, we will find God. Right. And to tag team that, again, that is Brian being and his family being in the presence. And when you're in the present, in the present moment, asking God, to be present with you because anxiety mainly lives in the future and we have no control of the future because anxiety lives in the what if. What if I'm going to die tomorrow? What if my children are going to die tomorrow? What if my mother's going to die tomorrow? What if, what if, what if? And that brings such high anxiety. So to bring, and the disciples were, what if the boat what if I drowned? What if? And they didn't even recognize God because their brain was going, what if? So they didn't recognize God as who he was. And that's what our brain does in a time of crisis. My son is in the retail world and he said, people, the reason all the toilet paper was gone and all the water bottles were gone is because in the time of crisis, if something hits, people tend, the only thing they know to do, they have to do something. So they go buy the essentials. The toilet paper and water. It's what our limbic system knows to do. And so it makes sense to me that that's what we do. But what God, what a practical thing that we can do is say, here's a great, great question for all of us is to say, God, I need you present. What, what can, in the presence, I can go on a walk. Is it, but I, what, I need to feel you in the present moment, in the present, not in the, because we have no control over the future. Because our brain goes, what if? I like your tweetable statement there. Uh, uh, and I'll see, see if I can say it right. Uh, is that anxiety lives in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's big. 
Jacqueline, mm -hmm. you're starting your own practice as a counselor. Yep. You started it just a few months ago. <laughs> I did. Then the world <laughs> falls apart. What are you going through in your heart and soul sure. right now in starting a business? There's a lot of business owners, small yeah. business owners yeah. out there right now. What are you going through? Absolutely. Well, because I was in school for a really long time <laughs> um, because I did it and while I was a mom of three daughters, a wife. I was working full-time, so it took me a long time to go to school with one goal that I really felt like God had called me to, God had equipped me for. I was going to be a licensed counselor. Mm. And, uh, you know, last June, that happened. Here we go. Let's get going. And, you know, just a few months after starting, oh, hey, here's this new thing um, that is changing the way that that I work just after I was getting used to how I worked. Right. And sure, that brings with it, and I love what you said because the anxiety of the what ifs, well, what if, what if it doesn't go back to what it looked like before? Right. What if it, what if I, you know, don't continue growing my practice? Right. And of course, life is still happening. Like other things are happening in my life. I lost someone just a few weeks ago who is very close to me. Mm. So there's grief and there's sadness. And I like people. So this has been hard, like mm. to not be a, like, I was just excited to come and sit on the stage with y'all <laughs> um, because I like, I get to see people. So just all of that, that's kind of rolling through my mind and trying to keep it like the things that we've talked about, trying to keep it right now. I don't know if it will look like it did three months from now, like it did three months in the past. And that's okay because I know the one who is constant. I know the one who is faithful. To what Brian said earlier, you can only control what you can Absolutely. control. Absolutely. To, to borrow what Susan said, anxiety is mm -hmm. just fear in tomorrow. Sure. And so you can only be present yep. in today mm -hmm. and rest in the fact that we're not walking through this alone. Mm -hmm. if, a if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not going through the coronavirus alone. And that is something that I don't see how anybody could live a life without Christ because he gives me the calm assurance as I live my life. You know, and, I, and I, I, as I read through the gospel of Mark and I see that Jesus is with his disciples and yeah, I get it that Jesus is working with the, the Pharisees and they have a hardened heart. But he's actually talking most of the time with his disciples and the hardened heart, the soul care that is still needing to happen just with his own disciples. And I think about, you know, justification, that time when I become a child of God happens in one moment, but sanctification happens over a lifetime. And I believe it's in that sanctifying process that God softens our heart. He does his deepest soul care. And so if you don't know Jesus today, I challenge you, message us, ask us, hey, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does that take to happen? We'd love to walk with you. And if you're a follower of Christ today and you're still struggling with some of the anxiety, we will be glad to hook you up with any of these counselors on the stage that can, can spend some time with you, pray with you, or even one of our pastoral team members. But we love walking with you through this season, walking with the Northwest Arkansas community, walking with those around the world. And so can Continue to be a part and engage with us as we engage the world. Now, let me just tell you, next Sunday, we'll come back together again and we'll be here digitally uh, again on Facebook Live at 830. 
But next Sunday, we want to make a special announcement about Easter Sunday. This is going to be an incredible, unique Easter unlike ever I've experienced. And we are trying to put time and attention and preparation into it. Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. So join us for that in preparation for our hearts around the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's this week's uh, time together on Facebook. So please share this link, get it out there and bless others as we've had people all, literally all over the world joining in the conversation. And we pray that God's word will continue to go out. So Grace Point, live sent. Thank you.